You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. My name is Omar Hussain. I will be your host for this evening and I will be joined by my better half Sidra and in the studio with us today are two very special guests, Dr. Abda and Dr. Abdul Mateen. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Before we really get into getting to know a little bit more about both of our guests, today's topic is getting outdoor with the family. Now to many listeners out there, getting outdoor with the family is especially from when we were younger and and if you think back to younger days especially those who may be of the older generation really there might not have been such a thing stored in your mental archive and those are really the key issues as to why that may not be the case why it wasn't the case and really what the importance of having um, that in your life especially as a child that those are the key issues that we seem to explore or look to explore with both Bajabda and and brother Mateen who are here with us in the studio but before we go ahead um, I'd just like to get to know a little bit better um, our guests and if I can start with yourself Bajabda. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Thank you for having us on the show Omar and, uh, and Sidra. We are parents to four children. We have a 16 year old, a 13 year old, a 11 year old and we have a 16 month old uh, boss baby actually. That's the way to describe him. I'm a part time GP mum. That's it. Alhamdulillah. And yourself Brother Mateen. Assalamu alaikum and the other half of that I'm a dentist by training and qualification and I'm a chaplain by vocation working in Scottish prison services with our Scottish communities and I'm a scout leader as well. Alhamdulillah. Excellent. Um, so we've got to know a little bit about yourselves uh, and your family there. Can I just ask before we get on, just so the listeners um, have a little bit of an understanding, in terms of your work, how involved are you guys at work? Baj, I know you've mentioned your GP by practice and I think you said part-time, but what does that mean? How many days are you? I've just gone back after having the baby just there in November, so I've kind of gone down from three, three and a half days a week to one day a week during the weekday. I tend to work kind of weekends and evenings just because it's easier for childcare uh, when abdominal around. Okay, excellent. And Brother Mateen, yourself, um, in terms of your work, how often are you working? I was full-time when I ran my own dental surgery. I went into partnership with one of my best friends from university to share the load of that work. And as the surgery got busier and busier, I wanted more and more time with the family. And I made the decision eventually that I would sell my business and take an early retirement, so to say. I spoke with my uncle when he retired as to what was the most important thing, looking back on his career what was the most important thing he was successful he was a vet he was a vet to the queen's corgis so he was very proud of his career but he said the most thing that he remembers most or that he enjoys most is now taking out his grandchildren and just letting them turn over a rock and explore what's in a pond and see what's underneath a leaf and just experiencing nature and being outdoors when a child is discovering that outdoor world being the parent with that child that's such an important and it's such a valuable time. So I took this advice of my uncle and I took early retirement, so to say, and stopped working full time and spent a lot more time with our children outdoors doing as much as we can, whether it's with sports or whether it's just being out walking or whether it's doing camping. Whatever the reason, it's just to be outdoors with the children. So what was the point that both of you had that discussion that you didn't want to work full time and that you were going to go part time and what were your concerns at that time as well? It's not a discussion, it's 
more just of a realization you can't do it all if you both parents are professional and they both work full time then you're going to have to get someone else to watch the children and if that's the case your job has to be exceptionally important to you because you're sacrificing your own children for that career and both of us made the decision i think realizing that our careers as important as they were to us um they're not more important than the children and this is where we both decided that rather than working full time and being able to um, buy the the comforts of this world we were much happier with less income but more time with the children i'm glad i think we'll come on to and we'll touch later on a little bit about how important you guys think or your thoughts and feelings and views are on spending time with the children and really the responsibility that lies on parents out there but i want to come back to that and for the time being i want to really take you guys back in time a little bit and talk to you guys and 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 want you guys to share with our listeners a little bit about how life was growing up and for you abdabaj i think that was was that glasgow was that growing up in in glasgow i grew up in glasgow so i'm a child of the 70s as is my husband so back then it was getting outdoors in your back garden luckily for us we had huge back garden we had a huge vegetable patch as well which we would go and make dens in and go and pick fruit and we had a swing in the back garden as well which probably was a luxury item back in those days we also had a lot of people visit us back then so we had family that would come and visit i suppose maybe you didn't have you know telephoning wasn't you know now you can call anybody and you can video call and facetime people but back then people came to visit you and if it's a nice day you were out in the garden my very fond memories of being young would be my uncle mataya who's passed away and may I give him a station in jenna would take us all to the park and you know he would it would be like sports day would race us off with each other but also i have memories of being allowed to go to the park and being able to take my cousins younger kids so effectively like my nieces and nephews who were very young you know one or two years old and you were in charge of them taking them to the park and getting outdoors one of the few things we did do was we used to take trips to the campsy hills and we enjoyed that once a year maybe my cousins would uh, take us to blackpool or take us to butlins or whatever but more or less it was kind of you know parts of it were supervised in your back garden we didn't go to play at other people's houses i didn't we didn't grow up in a predominantly asian part of the, the city we grew up in the suburbs so we were in the back garden basically or the park okay an occasional van trip then to an blackpool occasional, an occasional van trip yes it was a van to get us all in it was a van trip um, and my cousin shafiq and azim would take us once a year to different destinations and we'd have fun <laughs> excellent and just coming over to you then um brother mateen and for the listeners that don't know out there brother mateen is a revert to islam how long ago um brother if you don't mind me asking over 20 years now all oh, right alhamdulillah and so your upbringing though was a christian family am i right in saying that born in dumfries brought up in uh, dumfries which was and still is by all accounts a white town it's got a few sprinkles of different cultures from maybe the chinese takeaway and indian apart from that uh, still pretty much as it was then i was brought up in a very st- strong christian upbringing there was no alcohol in the families within the weddings it was expected that there was no relationships there was no encouragement from our parents to have any boyfriends or girlfriends that was something that was kept until marriage so these things are shared between the christian communities and the muslim communities but our culture was quite different from abdus upbringing we were very much my dad is an outdoor person my mom's very much outdoor they still are they're both retired but every day they will be outdoors going places my dad hunts and fishes took us out shooting said earlier that he taught us how to hold shotguns and fire shotguns from a very early age and um, we were trusted with these things that nowadays if you were to suggest giving a shotgun to a, a 12 year old you would balk at the idea but this is what was normal for us that was our culture that was my dad's works with as a gp had many patients who were farmers my uncle was a farmer so outdoors was very much part 
part of our upbringing. It was expected of us to be outdoors just experiencing and growing up in the mud. Alhamdulillah. So very then different from Bajabda's upbringing. And Bajabda, if I come back to you then just now just to touch on this. Brother Mateen's upbringing from a child. And we'll go into the sort of stuff that you guys are involved in with the kids at the moment and how things are just now. But your upbringing being very different from when you were a child, probably most like myself and any other Muslim kid, should I say, growing up. Would you say there's a cultural thing there? Absolutely. I think Abdul Mateen probably did clubs and things like that. Whereas our clubs was Urdu school on the weekend. So Saturday, Sunday morning, you got to go to Urdu school where you would meet other people. That's fine. And there wasn't much fun to be had apart from break time. And during the week after school, you went to mosque three days a week, which didn't really leave much time for having fun. And I think parents back then probably just didn't know enough about what clubs were available around then and probably a bit of mistrust actually because a lot of these things were held in church halls. I think they probably just thought it's a kind of religious thing, brownies, scouts. So it was never kind of encouraged or and, and certainly I suppose we never asked in fact. In your opinion, how has engaging with the outdoors changed over time from when you guys were kids till now? Or has it changed? When I grew up we had four channels on TV. That was it and there was only a certain time that the cartoons were shown after that it was grown up time. You had to be a lot more adventurous when you were younger. Nowadays children have so many distractions to try and get them outdoors is sometimes hard. If you tell the children, let's get up at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, we're going out swimming in a loch, they're going to think rather not, I'd rather stay in comfort of the house and play with my device. But once they've been out and done that, they come back, realise what an adventure they've had that day, whereas had they stayed at home. So I, I think that getting the children out is a lot harder nowadays. So for parents out there, have you got any tips that you guys have used with your kids, for example, that have worked in terms of getting them outdoors rather than staying in? Uh, yeah, uh, unplug the Wi-Fi, <laughs> take the router cable and then just say that it's broken and then they have to find something else to do. Can I just ask on that point, how important then is it for parents out there listening, they themselves become involved? Over the last kind of, I would say, six, seven years, what I did notice was that when we would go outside and say one of the activities that my kids really liked was cycling. Now, everybody was key cycling. They were quite good at cycling apart from me. I would hear my children chant, go on, mommy, you can do it. Go on, mommy. And I'm thinking, oh, dear. So did I really want to be the mum who was sitting always at the back, having to catch up, being egged on by their children, which is no bad thing. But did I want to be part of it or did I want to sit out of it? And I made a conscious decision. I didn't want to be sitting out of it. I wanted to be with my kids and my husband. And as a family, we were going to do activities as as a family. So I got the opportunity to go on a a cycling improvement course. I did that. I became a a women's cycle leader, helping other women who had never cycled before to to cycle. We would do that on the weekends. I really enjoyed my time cycling. It gave me uh, not only the confidence, the know-how how my bike worked, but also stamina as well, because that's one thing I I was really poor at. I managed to, well, my husband, my son and my nephew, and they were 12 at the time, we did the Pedal for Scotland, which was cycling from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Nearly died doing it. At least I did it. Haven't had the notion to do it again, eh, as you can imagine. But another activity was skiing. My kids could ski very well. I put them into a ski club. They picked it up very well. And again, I thought, you know, I don't want to go on a holiday and me being the one sitting in the cafe while everyone else is out having fun. Painfully, I took ski lessons. Actually, that was part of my big birthday presents. My husband took me away to France and we skied for four days, which was great fun. And I think parents have got to realise that if you don't do these things with them, they will either never do them, never get the opportunity to do them, or they will go away and do it with friends or do it by themselves and you'll never get to kind of share that with them. So I think it's really important to be involved as a parent or find something. I mean, not everybody maybe can ski or cycle, whatever, that you can all do, even if it's doing 
doing some walking. I, I think it's important for having something that everybody does as a family together and especially doing it outdoors. So would you say you're an advocate of practice what you preach or if you want them to be involved to be a good role model it's important to do it yourself? Yeah in, in all aspects of life you've got to be a good role model to your kids. You can't exactly ask them to pray if you're not praying and be a better person if, if, if you're not that yourself. We've all got faults and you know we're never going to be perfect but we have to at least try and they've got to see you trying. I would say the kids have really in, encouraged me so I'm no longer you know common mommy at the, the bottom of the hill as I kind of puff and pant to get up with my cycle um, I can give you a run for your money. Before we move on and I get a little bit more about the activities you guys are involved in with the kids and uh, Brother Medina I know you're involved heavily with scouts uh, but before we get a little bit more about that I want to touch on really the importance and for you uh, Brother Medina you mentioned is there a correlation between doing outdoor activities and your children being involved in activities and the dean? The deen, uh, the culture Abda brought up in, is very much about being taught your Islam, taught about your Iman. But the highest level of deen, the highest level is Ihsan, to worship Allah knowing that He's watching you. This is only something that can be developed through certain things such as the sacred sports. And the sacred sports of the Prophet involved horse riding. So yeah, we've taken a, a very proactive approach to try and get our children involved in and give them the opportunity to go out horse riding. We have a, an annual holiday every April and we go where there is swimming pool so they get to do the swimming which is, you know, Sibaha. It comes from Subhanallah. Uh, Subhanallah, you know, you're praising Allah. So the term swimming comes from praising Allah. The wrestling, the archery. One of the great uh, pastimes of all of the companions was to go at the time of uh, zikr. So when the, the, the fajr has been read until the sun rises and from the Asr until the Makrib and they would practice archery and archery teaches you discipline it teaches you practice makes perfect and through this we enhance what we've been taught in the Madrasa to that level that makes it enjoyable that makes the Deen not just something that's done because you've been taught and you have to do it but you're now doing it because you're getting so much more from it you, you really begin to taste the sweetness of your Ibadat of your Deen and this is something that is experience through sports, especially through the sacred sports. Alhamdulillah. And, and how much of a difference would you say for the children or how much of an impact will it have on a child's uh, character, if any? There's definitely an effect on the character. Children that are doing individual sports will be able to develop in a, a different manner from those who are doing team sports. But a child can go from one to the other. They can excel at an individual sport, but they can also excel at any of the team sports. They learn leadership qualities. The, the Prophet ﷺ led by example. He was at the very front. We've just passed the, the auspicious events of Badr, and we heard how he was right in the front of the lines with the companions. He didn't take a back seat. This is the example for us as well, that we have to be involved with our children. Uh, we have to be there amongst them. We might not be able to be all great at certain sports, but just getting your children outdoors, just going for a walk. I grew up every Sunday before uh, we had our family meal. There was always on Sunday a family outing. We would always be outdoors somewhere, whether it was a walk in the forest, whether it was 
doing some cycling, whether it was an activity, but it was the family together doing that thing together. And this became something that we know uh, in our family now, that when we get together, myself and my three brothers, we've all got our own families now, but we get together and we do these things that we did when we were young, that our parents showed us, uh, because I got so much from that as a youngster. I remember my childhood and most of the memories that are strong in my mind are things that were outdoors. They were the things that I, I discovered or experienced while I was with my family outdoors. So I know as parents, first and foremost, but as individuals, something that is part of our nature is to compare. So as parents, if you compare your children's attributes to, say, for example, another Muslim's family's attributes, do you see any qualities or any characteristics in them that's different or unique to them? One of the observations, to be honest, the children, they go to school Monday to Friday, nine to five. They go, as Abdad mentioned, after school for Quran classes, which is, I'm not arguing the importance of that um, but what it does is it takes up the whole of the day so the school and then the madrasa and then a bit of and then it's home time and then on the weekend there's a cultural school maybe Urdu school or some kind of language or cultural activity and that only leaves them the Sunday by which time if dad and mom are working then that's the time that they want to just be as a family together they don't sometimes see the importance of getting outdoors for them but I would say that it's more about prioritizing and finding the balance Abdel and I we discussed about putting our children into madrasa and we said that well if you put them into a class with 30 children and that's two hours they're going to sit there that's going to be four minutes that they get with the teacher so why don't we ourselves get some sound islamic education and then we can sit for four minutes with our child and that leaves us one hour and 56 minutes of that day that they would have just been sitting in madrasa chatting with another child maybe mucking around with another child maybe being bored and trying to get out of that place and not liking it anymore and they begin to resent because of that culture upbringing they, they sometimes resent the dean they don't want to be there they, they the children they, they become difficult to handle if we can find the balance and get the children outdoors more then we begin to see what they learn from these activities from being outdoors with other kids they develop leadership skills they develop compassion they develop empathy as well as sympathy they will know that a, a group can only go as fast as the weakest member they become considerate to those who are maybe not able to my alhamdulillah our eldest son my daughter as well are very gifted when it comes to the sports not all children are able to excel at the sports but they still love being involved and doing what they can as i said even if it's just being outdoors and turning rocks over and discovering things and picking up a worm you know the, the idea of you know getting dirty you know this is organic children we need to get the children outdoors and in touch with that spiritually physically emotionally health wise as well an immune system is developed by introducing the body into uh, bacteria so if you keep them indoors and you wipe down the table with gcp and you always wash the hands every time they touch anything the children don't develop an immune system so it's on so many levels that getting the children outdoors and being outdoors with them has uh, so many ramifications later on in life is it fair to say that some of your best memories with your children or even with each other have been formed by being outdoors and having activities outdoors is it just as important for parents as it is for the kids to be outdoors together with the family i think similarly what will make a good memory for children will make a good memory for yourself so when you see your kids happy and your kids are talking about good times then they become good times for you as well i think it's really important especially as an adult you you can have appreciate allah's creation so you're on a maybe a little bit more different level than the children are
are, but then you're able to point these things out to the children. Well, you know, look at the sea and look at the tide comes in and out and why that happens and who controls that. And you can use everything that you see to talk about Allah's greatness and how Allah created everything and how it's all got a rhythm to it and a purpose to it, the same as we have as well. So I think that's really important. But but ask that, yeah. yeah ask yeah. that, ask, ask um, how would you tie being outdoors and your activities outdoors. How do you with tie Islam. it with the theme? How do you make it more fun for the kids? Yeah, to um, learn. So you do a lot of outdoor activities, which is fantastic, and you teach your kids, which is which is lovely as well. But how do you tie that all in with the deen? How does it make sense in their heads? And how does it tie in with this is about Islam? It's about the balance again. The children have to know that deen is where that Allah SWT has kept the success. Sports and activities can be done within the confinements of the commandments of Allah, the same as we're saying about the sacred sports uh, there are certain sports which are encouraged but they can become forbidden sports if there's gambling involved or foul language so they learn through these activities and sports where the borders lie. Last weekend I was taking 20 youngsters to the Pentland Hills and we were camping at the fasting month of Ramadan the children I take out are not just Muslim children, I don't just see the need for us to take out Muslim youth but we should take out all youth and non-Muslim children see us even in the month of Ramadan doing the activities and they appreciate that I'm putting up marquees and tents yet I'm fasting and they are getting to have their meals and their drinks and then they see me will stop and the Muslim children who are on the camp with us we will stop for the time of prayer. The non-Muslim children ask can we join in with you in prayer even some of the youngsters I take who are from atheist backgrounds they've been told by their parents there is no God but this child is in fitra and when this child sees other parents naturally fitting the deen in around their activities they want to do this they want to include in their selves this and they want to share it and they discuss with them about the fast so discussions come naturally with the youngsters when you're out on an activity if you're out for a long hike and there's a long silence one discussion may come up about the fasting and one child talks about Lent uh, another child who may be from a Jewish background talks about the fast they do of Yom Kippur, and then we share about the fast that we have so there's so much sharing to be done with that Last uh, weekend when it was the the time the kids all went to sleep, they were absolutely shattered, a whole day of outdoor activities. Um, they went to sleep in the tents. Uh, it was now peaceful. The kids were asleep. Uh, I got to sit up by the fire. I opened my fast. I got to eat and offer tahajjud um, by the fireplace, the sky. I looked above me and all of the clouds were lining up in sus uh, towards the direction of Qibla. All of these things you appreciate so much more when you're outdoors, when you're in touch with the outdoor environment and to be able to spend the night to sleep out by the fire wait until the sun rises again and then know that you're already outdoors and these kids are going to get up and repeat that same day again so they, they, they get to see that Fajr, Zohar, Asa the day is determined by the, the sun rising and the sun setting they're no longer going by a 9 to 5 they're no longer going by a timetable that's artificial it's very much like the natural rhythm of the day if, when I was in the, the villages in Pakistan everyone gets up at Fajr and it's, that's when the day begins because it's now light. You have to get as much time outdoors in the fields as you can and the day finishes when the sun sets and you have some time to eat that's Isha and then you go to sleep again. So breaking from this artificial rhythm of the day that our schools and the bells and the curriculums impose upon us and returning the children just to a very normal uh, rhythm of the day, the way that nature breathes, be able to hear the breathing of the trees and the wind going through the leaves and being present and being able to offer your prayer there, wallahi, it's something very special and something that if you don't get the chance
chance to do, get out and do it. Even if it's in your back garden and quiet and it's a dry night, offer you tahajjud outside, offer ishraq, offer some of your ibadat outdoors. It, it's so much more special. SubhanAllah. I've got a funny question for you. So you mentioned that it's not just Muslim kids that you take out, which I think is great. It helps with integration and a lot of other social aspects as well. So when you have these kids all together, have you ever had moments where they've said something that's out of the status quo or they've asked questions that you slightly think, oh, how do I answer that? All the time. Kids are amazing at being very truthful, pointing out hypocrisy when they see it. So double standards. If we talk about the deen, but we ourselves are not practicing it, the children will be the first to say, but you say this and you do that. You have to be on your toes with children when you're with them. Yeah, I take children out from all backgrounds. Some of the questions that we may have thought are very difficult today, for example, discussing terror. It was an event where it was actually the birthday of Nelson Mandela and we had a, a picture up in the hall and all the children came in noticing Mandela and one youngster said why have you got a picture of Osama bin Laden up? It was a slip of the tongue but rather than feel embarrassed about it we opened up the discussion and the children themselves started sharing their understanding of who Mandela was and who he is. 10 year old, 12 year old children they shocked me when they said it was Margaret Thatcher used to call him a terrorist. So this was a non-Muslim knew who Mandela was. Now our children might not have known who Mandela was but they might know who Osama bin Laden is. So they shared and says well Osama bin Laden he was a freedom fighter who then became the terrorist. So the discussion of one man's freedom fighter another man's terrorist. Children were having this discussion by themselves because we took them out of their family or their cultural norms and put them into an environment where they could begin to just express and experience and share themselves. This is just one of the many many discussions. I've been shocked how much children are able to. That's why I'm delighted that it's another show, another talk, but children being involved in the democratic and the electoral process, you know, independence, Brexit. We think as adults, we don't understand it, so maybe they'll never have a clue. But they have some wonderful opinions upon it. Um, and as I said, all children are in fitra. Parents who make them the Christian, the Jew, or the fire worshipper. So we as parents give a culture to our children. And this was a discussion we were touching on earlier about my coming from a Christian background and Abda coming from a Muslim background. That's not what differentiates us. It's the culture that differentiates us. What we share in common is actually the religious upbringing, the importance of uh, the family unit, the importance of the children not being in relationships until marriage, the importance of alcohol not being an important part of our upbringing. If uh, someone chooses to, then that's their choice. But these aren't the important things. The things that are shared are the things that are communal. That's what the religion... So when, when we take youngsters out from faith communities, especially, we begin to see by their own experience how much we all share together and our differences are so little. Our differences are often cultural. It's nothing to do with the religion. A bit of a practical question. How do you balance on a timetable, Abdabaj, um, their outdoor time with their study time? And how on a timetable does it look from Monday to Sunday? Oh, our timetable is uh, kind of jam-packed, actually. Uh, Abdamateen isn't around on a Monday, Tuesday, because he's at prison down in Dumfries. One child has scouts on the Monday night. One has swimming on the Monday night. So it's a kind of juggling, balance thing. At least the other kids are older that they can take themselves places. One has explorers on the Tuesday. Wednesday is our only night that we're all in. And uh, Thursday night, Abdul-Mateen runs his scout group. Friday night, he runs his cub group, um, which my son goes along to. And the weekends, if he's not camping, then we try and do something as a family. Our two older kids are in, in high school. They, they play with the rugby team and the hockey team. So that's sometimes taken up with that as well. So it's kind of a, a jam-packed week, usually. But we do try and go and watch the children play as much as possible. I think that's another important
important thing. Um, certainly, I remember my sister being in the hockey team and a lot of the white parents would make effort every weekend to come and watch their children play. And I don't think you would see very many Asian parents, really, and uh, or Muslim parents coming to watch their children. That's another thing. When your children, child is taking part in something, to go and watch them shows that you, it, it's important to us what you're doing and what you're enjoying. It can be quite busy. Okay, uh, Brother Mateen, I want to just come back to you uh, and give our listeners a flavour about the work that you're involved in in relation to the Scouts. And let's just start from really how it all came about to what's entailed and to where we are today. Scouting is the largest youth movement in the world. There are 30 million Scouts worldwide. 10 million of them are Muslim. So there are Muslim countries like Indonesia where being part of the Scout movement is a compulsory part of their education. As important as going to your classes is getting outdoors, doing these things outdoors with regards to develop skills, developing the person holistically as a whole. I've been a scout since I was young. I've got badges on my uniform just now that I got when I was 10 years old and I show this to the youngsters who I'm now taking out and I share with them the experiences that I had when I was young and that's one of the things I love doing is being with other people's children and seeing them experience those things that I know will be a memory for the rest of their life but when you entrust or you you give a child the opportunity to do something unsupervised but you've now given them trust to do it. Scouting is about developing these qualities, these characters. It's the only movement, it's the only youth work that has a promise and a law. So there is a law that you have to abide by. Everything within scouting has its rules as well. And it has a promise that you return to again and again, a promise to do your best, a promise to be thinking of other people, a promise to be doing a good deed every day. These are so much part of the scout movement that myself and my brothers, and honestly, uh, the more you begin to prod, the more you'll find so many people themselves were as children in the scout movement. We're in a society where scouting, as I said, with it being over 100 years old, uh, there are scout groups everywhere. And especially especially what's called the World Jamborees. These are gatherings or camps where you go beyond your nationality and you meet with your family of scouts from every country in the world. And at the International Jamborees, there are more countries representing than at the Commonwealth and at the Olympic Games. So you have such a diverse sample of cultures and communities coming together and sharing the same qualities and the same values. And I am a leader at the oldest scout troop in the world. And so too has the scout movement. Uh, Our scout groups now are no longer white, British and military. They are inclusive of all communities. They are exclusive of nobody. And this is something that for our children growing up in this society, this is where they really begin to appreciate what inclusion means. To be included with everybody means that we don't, we can't enforce our religious views upon our children and our other people's children. We can enforce them on ourselves. We can uphold these values and morals and religious you know, standards ourselves, but we have to present them to our children in a way that they then choose them. If religion is forced upon a child, then that child will naturally begin to rebel. And you know, no shortage of shows and people we could bring on to discuss how this has happened. I work with in prison. The majority of the Muslim prisoners are children who are not from deprived back 
background. These are from children who have been given the opportunities, but the religion was something that was put upon them and not something that they chose. Alhamdulillah. I mean, what advice would you have for parents out there whose children maybe are not involved in any way, shape or form in scouts or even whose children might not be involved in any form of outdoor activity? So sending our children out, getting them involved in any youth work. If it's a football competition, don't send them out just with the Muslims to play football because they'll only ever experience that. Whereas if you send them out with a football club and they'll get to share football and they'll get to do what they wanted to do without having to make it a religious thing. Growing up in the society in which you guys grew up, even myself, the society in which I grew up, I would go out after my mosque, I'd get my bike and I wouldn't come back home till it was dark. And that was pretty normal for me during the week. Now I couldn't see that happening. And most parents wouldn't allow their kid to go off in their bike, go wherever you want, come back when it's dark. I would trust you to do that. Maybe there's a big part of that, the society in which we live in. I'm not saying that a lot of crime or a lot of things that happen or are happening now, maybe we just see it more. I'm sure a lot of stuff was going on then as well. Trust in your child. Um, maybe there's just an element of parents being too overprotective. Is the way around that one point maybe you need to you need to give a little bit more freedom. But B, if you're still really concerned, then get involved yourself. Take them yourself. Am I right in saying that or would you have any different of a pedal of the budge? I think it goes back again to your childhood and how you were, you know, your experiences and how it was for you. And this causes much discussion in our household, obviously because my childhood was much more restrictive than what Abdul Mateen's was. And then when it comes to discussing what we would allow the children to do and not allow to do, we have to come to some sort of compromise there. I think what we're getting at here is what I call the cotton wooling of our children. And it is the most natural thing for a parent to want to protect their child and to cotton wool them. But how long can we cotton wool them for before we're actually harming them? You you put the seed into a pot and you keep it in the greenhouse until its roots are developed and then you put it into the harsh climate. As long as the roots are strong, then that plant will then flourish even in the hardest of conditions. And this is what we want our children to be able to do is to go into these difficult situations of today, but with the confidence that we've done the best we can in these formative years, in these early years, by sharing the time with them, by being with them, as the example, as we said, hypocrisy, the children pick up on. And uh, I remember Zubair Alvi saying that from his experience with education and children, that if in the house the salah is not offered, then these children will not grow up offering prayer. But if in the house the prayer is offered, the children will grow up and they will be inclined towards the prayer. So we need to be ourselves a bit more involved. We need to take time out of the job and this worry that we need to pay a mortgage. We need to save up for when we retire. This idea of a pension will look after us. Allah is razik today Allah will be razik when we retire we can only be with our children when they are children and if we miss that opportunity and the child grows up and becomes a, an adult we will only be having the same problem repeating again itself Marshall you, you seem like you have a good balance between the two of you would you say you need that balance you need some of the cotton willing and some of the uncotton willing or yes definitely you know I, I remember turning up many a time to find my husband in the park with the children and the children are God knows where and it's probably been a good thing that I've not been there the whole time and I've just turned up so yeah he lets them kind of roam and you know explore and know that hopefully that they will if, if they do get into trouble or if they need help that they'll, they'll manage to, to, to get that message to us Alhamdulillah um, we've, we've covered quite a lot and especially for the listeners who may have just been joining us we've spoken quite in depth uh, around the topic of getting outdoor with the family we've discussed um, with Brother Mateen and Bajab that in terms of how how childhood was for them um, and really 
in today, living in today's day and age, 2017, how the family structures typically tend to be, uh, and then compared it with their family um, outlook, which which is probably drastically different from uh, most people's, and that's actually very active. I want to really, really start rounding off and invite both of your your comments and 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 advice um and really ask that you stress the importance for especially families out there who don't really have any involvement i mean you guys alhamdulillah are really involved and brother mateen you've got the scouts and the kids are really involved in getting out but for families who might not be very involved or, or really inclined to doing outdoor activities at all a is there a starting point and what is that and b how much of a benefit is it for the family and the kids the starting point's the back door. You just need to get outdoors. Uh, you don't have to be doing something that's adrenaline. You don't have to be doing something that's risky. You can be doing something as simple as just going out for a walk and just heading up towards... Uh, we've got, we live in Scotland. Anywhere else you go in the world, they advertise the place to go on holiday is Scotland. And we live here. We've got it on our doorsteps. We've got some of the most amazing scenery. We've got some of the most beautiful roads. We've got easy access to them. You 20 minutes in a car from here and you're up in the mountains you can walk from the kelvin grove art gallery you can follow the river there's a path that takes you out towards mulgai that's you on the start of the west highland way you can walk the west highland way it would take you six days we took the youngsters and we walked from fort william to inverness over six days it's 117 kilometers walking eight hours every day camping every day you don't have to do the entire walk you can just do one day's worth of it you can take the train from Mogai and you can go up to loch lomond you can get off it, it's entirely up to you how adventurous you go but just start making time make time for you and your family at first so that you're all sharing it and try and get more involved in setting it up as a regular thing for those families who don't get the opportunity at every level whether you're doing something that's adrenaline jumping off a bungee jump or uh, swinging from ropes and climbing trees for the kids or whether it's just going out for a walk together as a family it's the importance of being outdoors it's the importance of being together and sharing that time that's not necessarily the classroom time just that time Alhamdulillah for that brother Mateen definitely wise words which I'm sure listeners will, will hold on to dearly and Bajab there for yourself also I mean, any words of encouragement, any words of wisdom that you have for, in particular, mothers out there? I think it's always harder for the mothers, to tell you the truth. You know, there's always uh, unending housework that has to be done. And then you're worrying about the children. But my outlook has changed dramatically um, since being married to Abdul Mateen. I think you just got to grab it and go and just start off, as, as I said, small steps by going for a walk, um, getting a bit more active. You know, you need to get your half an hour's walk in um, at least a couple of times a week, you know, for health benefits as well. Never mind, you know, getting some sunshine maybe into, into it and actually topped up your vitamin D a little bit. I would say to mothers, I would do it from very start when you have babies in prams making it making sure that you go for a walk and whether that's just walking the kids to school and back but then maybe going through the park just taking a wee bit of time out because your housework's always going to be there i would say give it your best shot there's always something that everybody could do just even getting outdoors and getting into the fresh air rather than sitting inside again my point would be if you don't do it with your children they will learn to do it without you and you don't want to miss out and 
maybe making some fantastic memories. Um, Brother Mateen, if I can quickly ask for any listeners out there who may be willing or wanting their children to become involved in the Scouts, is there is there availability there? Is there an option there? And, and is there a cost involved if there is? The cost is very minimal because it is an inclusive movement. Scouting is in every city, in every country, as I said, throughout most countries in the world. So wherever you are, go on the internet and just Google the word Scout and locate it to you. There will be a Scout group. The youngest age start from six to eight years old. These are the beavers. And then from eight to ten and a half, they're called cubs. And from ten and a half to 14, they are the scouts. And then they become explorers. And then they become young leaders themselves. At each age group, the promise develops. The expectations become more. Their leadership skills develop. They become responsible for their own little group. They get awards. They get badges. They stage their badges so they can always compare with each other. The kids love to be rewarded and have their achievements recognized. And there is a reason why Scouts is the largest youth movement in the world. There is a reason why it's over 100 years old. It works. We don't need to reinvent the wheel and make our own version of it just for Muslims. My advice is just go out to the local Scout group. Offer yourself just to come along for one hour in the evening that your child is at and involve your child. And once you feel comfortable, let that child go away on camps with those kids. I thoroughly advise if you want to find a starting place to get outdoors, we are the ones that put out in scouting. Jazakallah khair. I want to take the opportunity to thank both yourself, uh, Brother Mateen and Bajabda, for taking your time out and joining us here today, um, especially when you have the four young ones at home. Hopefully the house is in one piece when you get back. <laughs> Jazakallah khair for coming out uh, and spending time with us. Hopefully our listeners will have taken many things uh, from both the advice you guys have given us. Um, and yep, all that's left is to say Jazakallah khair for coming. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.